Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunday service. My name is Naya Swami Anandi. This is Naya Swami Bharat, and we're very happy to welcome all of you, especially our guests and visitors, and those joining us over the internet. We'll begin with a reading from Rays of the One Light, which are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, written by Swami Kriyananda. This week's reading is called To Each According to His Faith. And I want to encourage you to listen closely because there's a lot in this very short reading. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 3, we read, Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. It is a common experience shared by most people that when a person errs, he experiences a desire to hide that error from his conscience instead of holding it up for purification. Error clutches its misdeeds to itself and resists correction, though it is only in the state of purity that we can achieve perfect freedom. It requires an act of will to offer that awareness up to the light and to hold it there until one's inner darkness is completely dissipated. For every state of consciousness has its own attractive power. And the more we allow that attraction to act upon us, the more we attract to ourselves the objective circumstances and experiences natural to it. Our faith is the attractive power of our underlying state of consciousness. Goodness attracts goodness. It takes goodness even to see goodness. Evil attracts evil. And it takes evil even to see evil that is, to take special note of its existence. Whatever there is in you of darkness or light, offer it up to the heights. In the supreme light alone will we find salvation. Accept nothing less in yourself as your lasting reality. As the Bhagavad Gita in, says in the 12th chapter, Cling thou to me. Clasp me with heart and mind. So shalt thou dwell surely with me on high. But if thy thought droops from such height, if thou beest weak to set body and soul upon me constantly, despair not. Give me lower service 
seek to reach me, worshiping me with steadfast will. And if thou canst not worship steadfastly, work for me, toil in works pleasing to me. For he that laboreth right for love of me shall finally attain. But if in this thy faint heart fails, bring me thy failure. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, Good morning. I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity, mystical poems written by Paramahansa Yogananda. With the soft finger touches of my soul intuition, I tuned the radio of my inner perception. At first I caught the only sounds of nearby experience. Then came a symphony of inner harmony, followed by sweet strains from my heart's orchestra of finer feelings. Then came the swelling a chorus of my age-long cravings for thee. All these I caught on the radio of my soul as I kept tuning my perception, waiting to catch the whispers of thy voice, O guardian angel of all souls. With infinite patience, I went on tuning my radio. At last, when I almost prepared to give up further trying, thy song burst upon my heart. Oh, let me broadcast through my every word now the chorus of thy songs. The first part of the reading where Swami Kriyananda talked about how there's a, a common tendency is when we to err is to try to hide that uh, error from our awareness. And it brought back the um, uh, experience I had. I was uh, working at uh, Grand Teton National Park and we were on a project and one of the women there was a mother of a 16-year-old daughter, and she was, uh, her daughter was learning how to drive. And uh, she, of course, had to go with her daughter if she was learning how to drive, but she was really frightened. And so she sat, or actually she laid down in the back seat of the car and closed her eyes like this and held herself like this while her daughter drove on the car. And uh, luckily her daughter did learn how to drive safely. Uh, but just that, that image uh, uh, <laughs> is just so ridiculous. But uh, I remember when we were uh, little children, I, uh, I had three other brothers and lots of cousins, and we would play this childhood game that uh, if somebody was saying something, to, uh, one of our playmates was saying something, and we didn't want to hear, we would stick our fingers in our ear, close our eyes, and go, nah, 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 <laughs> like that, uh, we, so we couldn't hear them. But you know, um, you know, children are not always subtle. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, as adults get older, uh, we get uh, more subtle and more sly. And the ego is very sophisticated in blocking out and not owning, you know, the things that uh, you know life is trying to present to us. Uh, and so we're all going to make mistakes on the spiritual path. It's just a, a given. Otherwise, as I think it was Sri Teshwar. Uh, so that we'd be adorning some other world. Uh, and so um, it's just par for the course. 
Uh, I remember during my first year at Ananda, uh, I had uh, just joined the community, and um, I was just a little discouraged about something. And uh, I uh, was kind of down on myself, and I was with a bunch of other people. We were all in Sacramento to, to hear Swami Kriyananda speak. And Swami, he walked into the dining room where we were, and he, I didn't really know him much uh, at that time, only been here a few months, but he walked right up to me and just said some really loving words to me. And he was trying to get uh, put across that message that, you know, it's not in focusing on our mistakes where we grow, but it's on how much we love God, you know, to put our effort there. Because uh, we, if we focus on our mistakes, what we do is we amplify them and we start to buy into their reality. And it just doesn't do us uh, any good at all or anybody else, um, like that mother was trying to teach her uh, child how to drive. Swami Kriyananda, uh, he said that Mount Washington uh, was like a hotel. Uh, Master's light was so strong that people just seeing their lives uh, in context of that light, it was just overwhelming. And uh, it just said people just left in droves all the time. They would come for uh, a few days and then they would leave and they couldn't face themselves. They just didn't feel they were good enough. Uh, uh, Dr. Peter was uh, talking with Swami Kriyananda, uh, I don't know how, not too long ago, I don't think it was. And he said to Swamiji, wasn't it difficult to live with an avatar? And Swami said, yes, it was, but I wanted to change. And uh, this is, um, you know, we, uh, if we don't want to change, we're going to stay the same. And, uh, you know, that's not a really a, a, a great thought. I mean, you know, look back through our lives. We've had really high times and we've had really low times. And, uh, you know, and also if we, we know too much right now, and if we aren't moving forward, we're going to move back and we're going to uh, just be very disappointed uh, in our own uh, inner life. Swami um, Kriyananda told an amusing story before he met Master. He worked at a theater in Charleston, uh, South Carolina, and he was uh, part of a barbershop quartet, and they were singing along and um, somebody would make a mistake, and they would argue over who made that mistake. <laughs> and, uh, and then they would try again, and somebody else made a mistake, and there was a big argument over who made that mistake. And they weren't making any progress whatsoever. So F Swami finally, he just started to own every mistake that was given. <laughs> and that was fine with everybody else. <laughs> And uh, they learned how, you know, they really did well after that. Uh, and they were make, able to make progress. And it, it brought up the, the image to me of a, uh, we've seen in older movies, sometimes of the, the, the main actors, uh, they're in a, 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 a balloon and they're traveling in the basket and everything is going along great. And then all of a sudden there's this looming mountain uh, that they're coming uh, towards and they're going to crash into the, the ridge. And what do they do? They just start throwing everything overboard out of the basket and into, in order to lighten it so that it can go over the ridge. Well, the, uh, the smart devotee and the smart balloonist, even before they take off, they throw everything they can out of the basket so that they're able to fly freely. Because uh, we don't want to really wait until, um, uh, you know, God has to get a, a two-by-eight uh, in order to get our attention. 
uh, it's, it's more difficult uh, that way. Uh, but if we can sort of preempt the whole process and, and just every time we notice uh, something in ourselves, uh, to really take the path of courage. That's what um, you know, Master talked about, Paramahansa Yogananda talked about, that um, you know, we have to be adventuresome and we have to uh, have courage on the spiritual path. Uh, what does the spiritual warrior do? They don't flinch at the thought of battle. They're actually happy to finally find their foe and fight their foe. Uh, and uh, they don't hold back. And it's the same way when we uh, find something in ourselves. Uh, that uh, we, this is like Swami has, has said, I, we can get at, I see it now, I, we can get at it. Uh, and, uh, and then we could just move through. That was what was so beautiful about Swami Kriyananda's life, that he was always moving. He was always moving through things. He had this tremendous courage, tremendous willpower. Swami talks about it, it takes an act of will. Uh, when we, we face something, we have to put out more energy. And if we, uh, he, he used this example of if we have some type of karmic test that comes our way, uh, we can outweigh it. And eventually, Divine Mother will say, I guess it's not time. I have to give it to him a little bit later. Uh, and it just sort of recedes. And we just, it's almost like stepping, uh, hopping over a little step. Uh, we don't have to put out that much energy, but we haven't grown. But if uh, something comes into our life, and if we really meet it, we're putting out a lot more energy, and so we have a lot more growth. There's, uh, besides uh, courage, what's really important is to be positive at all times. When we're positive, we, get in, uh, we align ourselves with truth. And uh, we, uh, we, there's a beautiful humorous story that Master told about one of his sisters. Uh, she, um, she had a very swollen throat, and she couldn't eat, and she couldn't swallow. And so she uh, alarmingly you know, had someone fetch Master, and he came, and uh, uh, he um, put her hand uh, on, her, on her throat like this. And then uh, he helped her be able to eat. And she didn't really notice what he was doing, but he was putting on the, the, the power of the thought of God and uh, perfection in her throat. Uh, and everything was fine afterwards. She could speak, she could eat, and everything. And Master left the room, and, uh, and everything was fine. Uh, but then she looked in the mirror. And uh, in her mouth, there were all these, uh, I'm not sure if they're ulcers or what were they? Yeah, ulcers in her mouth, and she was just horrified. And then immediately her sore throat came back again. She couldn't eat uh, or swallow. And uh, Master came into the room and he said, what did you do? I looked at my throat. I told you not to look at your throat. I uh, put in your mind the perfection of God and, and about your throat, and you looked at it. And, and that's what happens. We, we, we want to know our enemy. If a, a test comes our way, we, uh, we want to be intelligent. Uh, we want to need to know uh, what, to, um, what we're facing and then put out positive energy uh, in the opposite direction. So, of course, we have to be aware. But, uh, but if we dwell on something, we just weakens us, uh, like what happened to uh, Master's sister. And then he put the thought of perfection of God in her mind again, and everything was fine. And she didn't look in the mirror after that. <laughs> <laughs> 
There was a U.S. Army specialist who uh, trains uh, troops in survival, and he had done it for you know 26 years. And uh, they were asking him about you know how people did, and uh, he said, "Well, I'll tell you this: is that you can take somebody who knows all that are all about the art of survival, and you put them in that kind of situation, and they have a negative attitude. And then if you take somebody that doesn't know a thing." but they have a positive attitude. I can guarantee you that the person with a positive attitude is going to come out alive out of the woods uh, in a lot better shape than the fellow that was negative. Isn't that pretty amazing? Uh, but we, um, you know, we just, we, negativity just draws us down into um, a duality and to all kinds of problems, and we just aren't able to... Um, uh, well, I, I, I have a friend, I, should, uh, I won't name them publicly, but um, they have amazing karma. And, they, um, <laughs> and they're in all kinds of situations where it just would, they could just blow up on them and, and, you know, and danger just really comes into the situation. But because they're so loyal to Divine Mother and they're only doing everything for Divine Mother, they always magically land on their feet. It's just amazing. <laughs> and it's been a real source of inspiration to me, uh, is that uh, if one could you know, live that way, uh, we're really pr protected. And we all know that. But it, it's, uh, I was reading in the Bhagavad Gita, Swami Kriyananda's uh, book, and he talked about when uh, the heart is pure and we're seeking God with all our might and giving ourselves totally to him, um, there may be things that come across our mind where we're, we're giving everything, but we might have the thought, oh, no, not this too, I'm giving everything. You know, we're, we're, it's just like God will just take it away from us because in that flow, we're just giving ourselves totally to him. He doesn't have to, um, you know, he's not a tyrant. Uh, and I, I was just thinking about uh, God is, you know, sitting up on a hill, and he's looking down and watching everybody walking below. Some people are walking away from him. Some people are walking towards him. And he's not measuring the distance of how far away people are from him. He's watching the heart. And is the heart thinking of him? Is the heart open to his love? Is the heart ready to receive his love? And uh, when the person turns toward God and opens our heart, um, you know, he just, just takes just tremendous delight in that. And that's the only thing in the universe that he's looking for, is our love. And that distance is just in our own mind. It's not in God's mind. He's already with us. And that distance just disappears. And we figured out the whole point of creation when we say, I don't want anything else. You can't fool me, God. Don't, don't offer that to me. I just want you. And when we do, uh, there's no purpose uh, for karma uh, and everything else. And God will fully, fully comes to the devotee. Every state has its own attractive power. We think that we own our own thoughts, and, uh, but we don't. It's what level of consciousness that we're operating at and uh, the influence that we have. I was, um, when I was writing the, uh, the Om, the Melody of Love, I uh, saw where um, Swami Shivananda 
uh, he talked about that, um, he said, to try this experiment, uh, you know, why is Om uh, the perfect symbol for God, the perfect word for God? And he said, uh, I guarantee you, if you chant Om for an hour, and if you chant any other word for an hour, and then just see how you feel, you'll know the difference. And I'd like us to chant Om five times. Can we do that? Om. 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 Shivananda said that when you chant Om, the whole body is filled with light. Well, we might think, well, he was a master. Uh, of course, he would have his whole body filled with light. But there was a man at a New Age fair, and they were uh, the people that were doing some uh, aura photography uh, wanted to take his aura photo. And so he decided to chant Om. And in about five seconds, his whole head was filled with white light. And after 20 seconds, his whole body, his whole being was just all white light. And he wasn't a master. He's just someone who liked Om. And so it happens to us, too. Uh, and uh, we, you know, the, well, that's what's so beautiful, isn't it, about yoga, is that we have so many techniques that can just change our energy and change our consciousness because... We lift our energy higher. And so we don't have to operate at the level of consciousness that we're in, maybe temporarily, because we have something we can do about it. And also we have the magnetism of our great masters that will lift us out of that, and we know that we're held in their light. I, was, I had an experience... Uh, with Swamiji, it's in two days. Uh, we'll be celebrating his second anniversary of his passing. And in a little bit, I'd like to talk more about his life and the magnetism and the spiritual environment that he created for us. But uh, I had had a, um, a cough uh, for four and a half years and um, <laughs> a long time and a lot of other things. Just, uh, and Nandi thought I shouldn't go down and visit him. Uh, because he just had heart surgery, and I used to stay up in the dome, and she was delivering something to him. And, uh, and I was all for that. I, I didn't want to give him anything. Uh, but Swami said, no, uh, Bharat uh, should come down. And so I, I came into his apartment, and I stood by the door. And Anandi went over, at, uh, and a little bit closer uh, to Swami, and Anandi went to Swami. And then uh, as... Um, you know, we were just there for just a moment. And, uh, and then uh, Swami said, Bharat doesn't have a cough. And I just left. And after four and a half years, I didn't have that cough anymore. And it's amazing. Uh, I mean, we all in our own lives, how Swami in the simplest way will come to us and reach us. And, uh, you know, he allowed me during that time to 
do a lot of work, um, at least I, you know, in terms of on my health and everything else. But uh, he was holding us up as he holds each one of us up the whole time in his consciousness, in his love. Swami had an amazing legacy. You know, I went on Friday into his moksha mandir, and uh, I, had, I wanted to meditate just because this uh, Sunday service, you know, is also dedicated to him. And uh, as I sat down there, I just really felt his presence as we all do when we are at his home. And Swami defined Ananda as a rising current, a rising flow of energy. And his whole life was dedicated to God and just soaring towards spirit. And that's what you feel, don't you, when you listen to his music, read his writings, you know, meditate on him. Uh, and, uh, and this is what you feel, uh, particularly in the mandir. And uh, his whole consciousness was light. And just the, the Yuba River Canyon and the, the, the forests and the sky and... Um, uh, and then just the whole building is just an expression of light. It's just amazing. We've all, uh, I'm sure, have seen it. And we'll be meditating there on Tuesday. And it perfectly captures uh, Swami's life. Paramahansa Yogananda, he had the spiritual magnetism being an avatar to meet the greatest saints of India. And Swami Kriyananda also had that magnetism the ones that were still in the body, he met many of them. And uh, with Anandamoy Ma, who uh, Master had called uh, the, um, yeah, bl uh, the bliss, bliss yeah, the bliss permeated mother, excuse me, uh, and uh, said that uh, she was the greatest uh, woman saint that he met in India. When Swami later uh, got to spend time with uh, Anandamoy Ma, uh, she said that um, uh, uh, she was like a lotus on a pond, and there are many frogs croaking. And Kriyananda is the bee that goes straight to the honey. And that many people that have been with me for 25 years or more haven't taken what you've taken from me. I remember in the early days in the, in the monastery, uh, there some traveling swamis had come, and one of them told uh, us young monks, uh, while Swami's alive, you'll never know who he is. Because he was just so humble. He wanted to be a disciple of Master and, and, and show us how to be true disciples because, of course, that's how we're going to grow. Uh, I think it, you know, uh, we, we started to discover who Swami was if we didn't know at the end of his life. I mean, that he, uh, we, um, there's so many things one could say about Swami, I, um, and we all have our own personal experiences. I remember that uh, when Anandi and I, we got a chance to just see him briefly before we left in India one time. And Swami was at an event, and he was sort of attacked in India uh, by somebody. And, uh, and he said, um, you know, uh, I could have been in trouble. That wasn't exact words, but something like that. But you know, I don't exist. And, uh, and Swami just said he always lived in bliss and nothing could touch him because he was just uh, immersed in that, uh, in that bliss. Swami had a vision for uh, the Ananda Cooperative Communities and uh, part of that vision, of course, it was, it was Master's vision, 
but also um, there was a thought of uh, uh, Ayodhya was the name of the kingdom uh, or maybe the city uh, that Lord Rama ruled over thousands of years ago during the golden age of India. And, um, and it was just, everybody lived in just peace during that time. It was a very high age. And that was, uh, Swami called the, the first monastery, uh, the land um, around his house, Ayodhya, in, um, because he was so inspired by that concept. And uh, Swami, I'd like to read the last two stanzas uh, of that poem, because uh, this is, today we have Ananda Village, but also all the other Ananda communities, this vision has been manifested, and um, this vision has uh, blesses us every day. June in Ayodhya is so roused with joy. The earth can scarcely keep its boundaries, swelling with energy and inner strength, till not a mountain, not a valley sleeps, to burst and flood the world with laughter. Such harmony flows everywhere when men with grateful hearts offer their works to God. Then brotherhood needs no enforcing laws, no parliaments, no treaties sealed in fear. True peace is theirs to whom the Lord is near. You know, in the reading today, it talked about every state has its according level of consciousness, and we draw you know, those thoughts from that level of consciousness. And Swamiji worked tirelessly to create an environment for us where we could remember God, we could be with each other in our search for God and meditate uh, all, as I mentioned, his astral music and his books. Uh, but just the community, just the way of bringing this way of life together, um, I don't know what Hiranaloka is like, and that's a pretty exalted place, but Ananda feels like a higher world, and it's just filled with, you know, Swami's love and his kindness, and it just permeates. That's the hallmark of his life, and it's, everything is imbued with that. Jyotish said that uh, some years ago to the new members of Ananda training program, Ananda and I were uh, in charge of then, he said that I can't promise you that Ananda will always stay the same, but I can promise you that it will always take the form of helping you find and seek God the most. It will be the most perfect expression we can make it, and that's the bottom line. And this is really the legacy that Swami has left for us. He's, of course, still with us today. We, we feel his energy all the time. But he's created a, a physical environment that really supports our inner search. And so um, today and tomorrow and uh, Tuesday, we'll be thinking of him and feeling his presence. And of course, let's offer all our energies and thoughts of goodwill and joy at Swami's liberation and his delight in all of us moving into the arms of Master and Divine Mother. Bless us all. Mm -hmm.